now it's time once again for Spooky Jesus. sayings of the Christ. Welcome to Sweet Jesus, Less Popular Sayings of the Christ. I'm Mel Swartz. I'm Scott Hare. We have a special guest. Yeah, we do. Mike Kofer. Hi. Back again. Yeah, he is. Soul pastor of Mission <laughs> Liberty Hill. Soul pastor. LCMS. That's, that's awesome, and it's a beautiful way to say that. <laughs> it is. Way. I told him that's the only way I want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, soul <laughs> pastor. Man, we're so glad to have you back. Thanks for, you know, not... Leaving us. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to be back. I haven't yeah. lost my job yet. That's, so, that's good. That's I appreciate good. that you risk losing <laughs> your job. Yeah, we're uh, being on this podcast since we're so controversial, so controversial and well known. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's all people can talk about on Twitter. I know, I know. It's embarrassing at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, for <laughs> for sure. So. What I'm curious about is this episode is actually going to be talking about the famous um, young, well, in one passage, it's the young, Hmm. rich fellow. It's a rich person comes to Jesus. And we talk about fitting through the eye of a camel and some things like this. I'm trying to, yes. Needle through the eye of a camel. That's easier, actually. <laughs> yeah, but it's also horrifying. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, but it's easier. Blow dart, <laughs> yeah. I think. Blow dart gets that done. What's going to be your scene or woodcut <laughs> for this episode? Oh, my goodness. Why? Because oh, now goodness. all I can see. Yeah, is the guy shooting a blow dart? Sweet Jesus with a blow dart gun. <laughs> there you go. No, Let's just go with Jesus, it. Sweet Jesus, Let's never go that all sweetly along. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, yeah. So what, what? What's the scene for this one? Oh man, um, gosh. It's, uh, oh, he's. It's got to be. It's got to be Jesus with a big fist full of cash. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> well, Jesus is poor. Is is he telling him to give him all his cash? I th- well, whatever sell he did release to these my brothers, you did <laughs> sell to me. Every, sell every, wow. <laughs> yeah. This is really different than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> this is sweet, Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. We're rolling, rolling solid today. <laughs> oh, man. As always, if you have a favorite difficult saying, you can DM us on your favorite social media app well we only we're only on three so i don't know so it might not be your might, favorite it might not be your favorite but instagram facebook and twitter we are on there hey and if you're over the age of 50 you can email us yeah sweet jesus at <laughs> right com. yeah because we're you know, two of us anyway are there so <laughs> um like subscribe follow leave a five-star review tell everyone you know <laughs> This you're supposed to promote, right? And I yeah. always feel awkward with you know promoting things that yeah I'm doing. I, I can understand hesitating, inviting people to listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can understand your apprehension uh, for I mean, sure. You know, certain people. <laughs> well, according to this, like uh, business personality type, like this marketing archetype, right? One of my concerns is unintended consequences. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like so, a yeah. personality trait thing yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like, well, you like to put new things in the world and try and experiment with things, but then you also you're like, what's gonna go wrong with it? And yeah, how are you concerned on what's on fire later? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sure. you know, will people leave the faith because they're listening to sweet Jesus and they're like, Yeah, that Jesus is a real jerk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what? I hope nah. not. Not the real Jesus. Not the real. Yeah, hopefully the sweet Jesus, right? So that that brings us to those woodcuts and asking, and actually, Mike, you're the one who said woodcuts the first time. I did. That got stuck in my brain. And Mike actually, I know. Well, Mike, Mike made one. An actual woodcut? Well, I mean, he didn't actually cut wood. He made a visual that looks like an actual woodcut from Winky J. That's <laughs> awesome. Just love it. So we're actually probably going to incorporate that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's look pretty great. I'm just looking at the actual uh, drawing, <laughs> drawing, drawing. He looks good, though, right? I mean, he yeah, does. He looks he does good. Look pretty yeah, good. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So, yeah, we'll have to get him, like, I, I'll, I'll have him CNC'd, and we'll have a <laughs> real woodcut. <laughs> Wow. That's what then we want. can block print it's it already on vectored, t-shirts. So you're good to go. I think so. Excellent. Yeah, it's already vectored. Great. Yeah. It's great. I can. I, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can send it to him right away. So we've got a bunch of those that are going out on social media. We're going to have a bunch more by the time this episode gets posted or dropped or published. Anyway, released into the wild. Yes, exactly. Ooh. Exciting. It's going to be wild. Yes. Well, always. Always wild. <laughs> Clearly. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 21 was the narrow door. Yeah, it was. And uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a fun one. If you haven't listened to it, um, you should go back and check it out. It's a little bit about the gospel being exclusive, mm. at least according to Jesus, the real Jesus, that is, mm. which is not a popular theme right now. Not super popular. No. Not exclusive in the, I guess, typical thing. Typical way, <laughs> typical way, many think today of exclusivity, but you mean like first, first class on an airplane, right? Like the only place that we still do classism so clearly, <laughs> right. like from the very door of an airport <laughs> oh, to the man. next door of the next airport. It's pretty spectacular, it is spectacular, and everybody loves to be in first class. I do love to be in first class. Like, <laughs> I have only done it. Not even. I haven't even done first class. Done business I, class. I think I've only flown on Southwest, and first class is just the front row that yeah. has extra legging. But it's like, even legs. that, it's even like, that, you're like a the Lord of the through plane. twenty. Yeah. yeah, but see, when you're in the air, man, it's it's a level playing field. If you no, is it? There are air marshals. <laughs> yeah, and they will. Land that plane and ban you for life. From, no, 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 on Southwest because there's no like you, there's oh, no yeah, perks Southwest. or anything. Absolutely, it's yeah. just, okay. It's so very you know, egalitarian. Sure. It, up there. it is definitely that. And when they got those leathers, unless you pay enough to be a one through twenty, do, yeah, you do can they, pay. Extra. Yeah, they do have a little bit. You get a little voucher. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can you can actually get in that front. So it's you get that aisle seat. But if you do like that international flight thing on one of the big carriers like Delta or American or whatever. Yeah, it's different. It's a lot different. Oh, yeah. When you go left mm. instead of right going in that. <laughs> that. That curtain closes and you're immediately like, I don't even like those people being on my plane. Like you're, you're like you immediately are the worst person you've ever it's a, been. It's yeah, a standard comedian. The same thing. Um, yeah. I think it's Brian Regan who's oh, like, yeah. and uh, have someone from, uh, have someone come and fiddle for me. Have someone from Coach come and fiddle for me. I use music. <laughs> yeah. That's I, uh, awesome. <laughs> Well, yeah. the the thing that you know we all love about first class is the experience, right? So you get on first, you get the champagne before the flight even gets going, or whatever, or drink you want to order. It's pretty awesome the treatment and everything, and everybody loves that kind of first class treatment. Um, hilarious to me that Southwest trying to level the playing field, and you know, just it's whenever you get there, still starts to create like a little bit of a tier structure oh, yeah. because it's just how humans pay to win, man. Pay to win, exactly. Pay to play. And so, but there are some good strategies. Like if, if you're on Delta or American or something like that, you're going to get an assigned seat. Best shot you have is like getting on the app and trying to find a better seat. Mm. Like you suggested mm. an aisle seat. Mm-hmm. Don't but like man, the aisle. You can get a whole row on Southwest if you do it right though. Yeah? Yeah. Like as long as you're like usually in the beginning of B, there's still those empty rows yeah. near the back. Yeah, yeah. And all you got to do is sit there Wait. and put some water on your forehead. Oh, that's good. In the middle seat. Shake slightly <laughs> and hold the bag. Yeah, just some random. Yeah, oh, yeah. like a like a, a grocery bag, nope. a brown grocery no, no, bag. No, 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 the, no, the bag yeah. they supply. Oh, the bag. The, the bag. bag. Mm, yeah. And you just look down at the bag the whole time. And then when somebody comes and stands near you, like they're going to get in that seat, you just look straight up at them. <laughs> Fearfully. See, see, the other thing you could do is, while you're boarding, you look for a really distressed um, couple with, with a baby. Yeah. Say, hey, let me just hold that baby for you for a little bit while you guys get settled. Nice. And then you got this wailing, screaming baby. Nobody wants yeah, to sit yeah. next to you. It's beautiful. And you hand the baby back. <laughs> there you go. I'm Done. Just, that's yeah. genius right there. <laughs> but you have to hold it for the whole boarding process. The whole that's boarding fine. process. That's yeah. fine. What is that? 15 minutes is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Babies you might, are you might cute. end up with them. 
Yeah, because the parents Spit are like, no, whatever, now yeah. that you have your own row, how about you hold the baby the whole time? How about that happens? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. white noise happens, baby goes to sleep. You're probably fine. Look at him. He's got it all walked fine. out. You're yeah, probably well, fine. <laughs> it's the descent, man. That's when the kids freak out. It yeah. gets bad. Yeah. So you'll have to check out our first class show <laughs> message. But on there the are only door. few of you will be able to do that. <laughs> do we have a first class <laughs> option for there will this be podcast? Now. Yes, uh, it costs a lot. Uh, you'll be contacting me about that. Uh, Interestingly enough, right? There are chapter settings. So if you've got, you know, if you're using Apple's um, podcast app mm-hmm. or Spotify, mm-hmm. and there's a couple others that do it, um, then you can actually fast forward through this inane banter. And go what? right to the scriptures if you want to, because I said it that way. Why would anybody want that? I know, right? Do you call I, it inane banter? Like, is there a way to henceforth? No, it says <laughs> get to it in the chapter setting. Like, just get to it. Yeah. But I, and so that's about as first class as we can get. And if you're using a superior app, well, I say superior. I, just one that like that. We start talking you. about first class, and there's something that's superior. That's what <laughs> like that. <laughs> Well, okay. you have honestly the the Apple app is a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah. You know, Same with the, Apple in Music the, in the media music world. Mm. They, I don't know. Well, Even they like do some Spotify great things. I think is better than I, exactly. Right. I mean, using the Apple app has been pretty frustrating. Yeah. There's a lot of like, how do I find my like songs? I know I got to Google that to figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> you that know what I mean. That's not it's not intuitive. Spotify makes a lot more sense. I've used both, been using both in any way. <sighs> Once again, just so that you know, we're we not officially sponsored by Spotify. And or we Apple. are definitely <laughs> not, not sponsored Apple. by Apple. <laughs> yeah. Even though almost everything, everything I'm using Me too. is Apple. <laughs> <sighs> hey. <laughs> so why? Bible. Yeah, yeah let's Bible. do it. So, why, sweet Jesus, we have this intensely loving Heavenly Father who loves us so much that he sent his Son into the world to tell us what it means to have faith and follow him, right? To be a part of the kingdom of heaven. Unfortunately, it's so diametrically opposed to any culture that the kingdom of heaven comes into that it's really hard for us to hear this stuff. Mm. And it ends up saying things that for us that are, that are sometimes just so otherworldly, they're incomprehensible, or they just fly in the face of how we feel intuitively as humans. Mm. So this sweet Jesus just shows just, you know, it's a, it's a certain amount of ridiculousness that, sh- that throws things into sharp relief, right? It gives you like a false Christ to make the absurd... Uh, more ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> some some off. people have a view that Jesus is supposed to be sweet, right? Right. Whereas Jesus is real. Yeah, like actually. Was it human. Philip Yancey that would write about made the comment first that most people think that uh, Jesus is a lot like Mister Rogers, but sort of what did Mister Rogers ever do to be so dangerous to be killed by the state? <laughs> right. You know, I don't think it was Yancey that wrote something like that, but I can't remember. I don't know the I don't know the life story of Mr. Rogers, but I don't think he was killed by the state, was no, he? No, he was no, okay. not. In fact, beloved until until he wasn't. Um in the morning. Right. He's passed away, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Better, <laughs> better, better check better that. fact check. Yeah, this. better do that. Mm. <laughs> Google. No, I you know, Mr. Rogers honestly phenomenal yeah, person. Totally. Oh gosh. um believer. Marine. Yeah. I know. Ordained. And and he's talking to children. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so like, you know, you don't <laughs> I don't know that you bust out some of the hard sayings for the children. No, it was cool, right. though, some of the stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he walked some of those yeah. things out. He was willing to step in some pretty hard spaces. All the you time. Know, that's, a, that's an interesting point you raised, though. Um, I just had a conversation with my son a couple days ago. How old is he? Seven. Yeah. N- newly, newly minted seven-year-old. <laughs> and um, Got a fresh one. I was, <laughs> just he, he was upset with um, a decision I'd made as his father. And uh, he said something like, why do you have to be so mean? Mm-hmm. Something like that, you yeah. know, as kids do. And, um, and I, I, I had to, because I want him to understand things, I, I had to explain to him, you know, um, I can't do a good job as your dad by always being nice. Yeah. Right. 
like sometimes the right and loving thing is uh, not something that seems very nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, to his credit, I think he understood more of that than he probably, <laughs> than I think you should assume a seven-year-old would understand, you know? Yeah. But he, he he did good with that idea. Wasn't happy with me still, but, but you know. Right, right. It's but, so but, but I mean, this is the same idea with Jesus is what I'm driving at here. Yeah. Is, you know, um, you said maybe you don't do the hard sayings for the for the little kids, but actually that's sort of the situation Jesus is in with a lot of this stuff is yeah. he is talking to people who relative to him are oh, children. Yeah. That's true. You know, and he still has to deliver these hard sayings. So, of course, we kind of shrink from it and try and make it into something else. But, you know, he loves us, so he's going to give it to us straight. Well, let the children come to me, and there's all kinds of things going on there. So, Mm. it's really interesting. I don't think Jesus is, I think we often discount children, but I'm not sure he ever did. Mm -mm. Well, I don't mean to discount. I mean, he explained things different ways. Yeah, approach from their perspective. Yeah, Yeah, so if you're a religious leader and you've got some years under your belt and you claim to know, Hmm. it's going to be a different conversation than with a five-year-old, right? You had a conversation about Nicodemus not long ago where that kind of came up where it's sort of like, you know, he, he kind of said, you should get this because of where you are as a teacher of Israel. Right, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Which does lead us into today's episode, which I'm titling, uh, One More Thing. <laughs> well, one More Thing. <laughs> Columbo yeah. style, right? <laughs> you remember right. Columbo. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, this, this, this story, at face value, it seems a little unfair, right? Because Jesus specifically says to this guy very clearly, the one more thing is, you know, sell everything, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not that he doesn't expect that, so to speak. But it, he has different instructions for different individuals sometimes, mm-hmm. and then he has instructions for the group. So, but uh, that that brings us into it, man. We got Mike here to help guide us through. Hey. Thank you. On this one, hey. <laughs> yes. Sounded less than enthusiastic, actually. The way you said that, did I? No, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. No. <laughs> We'll fix your attitude in post-edits. <laughs> no, I'm thrilled. Mike, it was beautiful to have him here last time, and I'm excited about the day, too. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. knowing what we're headed to. This is going to be fun. Oh, oh man, yeah. yeah. So from Luke, this is where this is the the one that Mike picked specifically mm-hmm. is from Luke. <laughs> yeah. It's in all three synoptics. Yeah. Gospels. Um, but he chose the Luke passage, which he'll tell us why yes. as we get into it, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. Very cool. Because like in my mind, it comes from Mark, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was just where my mind went. I was like, oh, we'll do, oh, and he was like, Luke, right on. Luke 18. Here we go. Verses 18 through 25 in the English Standard Version. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One more thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God! For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Who? Does it say who? What's Greek for who? Like... Uh, it's right there in the text. Yeah, it's, it's implied in the Greek. You think so? Okay. <laughs> Not at all. That's right. That's Not awesome. Close. So here we are, Mike. We're this interesting passage that's in all three mm. for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the major illustrations. one of the things that people talk about a lot, mm-hmm. including uh, some of the phrases in here mm-hmm. and what in the world it means. So... Each story is slightly different in the Gospels, but the contexts are actually identical, Mm -hmm. and the placements are almost identical with some stories before and behind that might be a little bit different in the timeline. But other than that, this looks like the exact same guy each time in the exact same circumstance. 
Man, they all thought it important, was memorable, probably means Jesus referred to it. There's all kinds of things that go on with that stuff. Right? It certainly grabbed them, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, and in the community the, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the moment to jump into it, but you kind of asked me why Luke, right? Yeah, why so, Luke? Um, as we're imagining these two things, ha- the, all, all three of those accounts happening in the same moment, you kind of can fit them together in a way. There's a thing that Luke does differently, right? Which is, Jesus says, one thing you still lack. In the, in the Matthew and the Mark accounts, the man says, what do I still lack? Interesting. And, um, and I, if, you know, on the one hand, I think maybe it's obvious for us to think he's going to ask that question. But what strikes me is when Jesus says, you are, you lack something, you know, in, in the actual, you know, historical event, it might've been a dialogue like that, you know, is it, well, what does it say in the law? Okay. One thing you still lack. And then he says, well, what do I lack? You know, that, I mean, it would make sense, but the fact that Jesus would identify that he does lack something. Yeah. Like there's some sort of knowing, some sort of thing he's picking out. Yeah. Yeah. And so since he's talking to a rich man. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says, you still lack something. Yeah. The, the paradoxical nature of that, that's, what, that's why I was like, man, I want to do the Luke version of this. Because I think there's something in there. Something, something in there. Something in there. Well, and let's talk about why this is paradoxical, why mm. this is kind of shocking for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't even know if it's shocking for the day. I think it's just shocking, period. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean for real for people you, in general. You know, you think about like who who are the Christians that people look up to besides us? Well, possibly, possibly <laughs> including you. No, I don't. No. I, yeah, yeah. You don't know, so you're saying nice <laughs> well, things. I promise, we're all the same. Yeah. It's certainly a perception of success. Oh, right, right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So whether so it like, be material. Or, you know, the number of, you know, attendees. At see, all of... that tends to go hand in hand with material. It doesn't, yeah, it it's, not as, a, it's right. not as a fact, but it is typically, I mean, you know, if you say, well, um, who, let's just talk pastors. So you're a pastor, you know, who would you want to emulate? Right. You've got two options here. Number one, somebody that you personally know. Mm-hmm. Or number two, somebody who's famous. Right. Mm-hmm. There's really no third option. Like, there's not an anonymous pastor that you want to emulate that you've never met. You know what I mean? Mm. So, and then this could be for any Christians, you know, at all. You know, people look up to the famous athlete who's a Christian, or they look up to the, you know, the the, the couple on HGTV or, that goes yeah. to church, or whatever it is. You know, um, typically the people that stand out as role models are the ones who are successful in the world mm-hmm. because that's how they're known. And then of course, you know, people people saddle those folks with expectations and then you know when inevitably it comes up that they're humans and they have failings and they fall or falter or even even just kind of like dip into some heterodoxy, you know, whatever. And then they're crushed. Yeah. Because that's their template. So you can imagine you know, I'm I'm kind of talking to us in our day, but I mean, surely it's true in Jesus' day as well. The people that everybody's looking up to are the the Pharisees, as one example, mm-hmm. right? Like the very religious, very righteous, and they're successful, and they've got all the they've got all the things that are attendant to that. Um, and so when Jesus says, you know, it's 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 nigh impossible. It's not impossible, but it's nearly impossible for those people to be saved. And the disciples, it was just outside of the reading, I think, but the disciples' response to that is like, well, then who can be saved? Right. Like, if that guy's not saved, then who's saved? Yeah. <laughs> right. Freaks everybody out. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. And, it, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I understand. But I, I'll push back just a little bit on today's Christian culture. And, and what I mean is... Um, I think that we sort of at least give intellectual assent that material wealth specifically doesn't equate necessarily God's blessing or favor on your mm-hmm. life. It, because we think of often maybe missionaries, people have given everything. Yeah. And we, we know a lot of those people personally, like they they sold everything they had. Sure. And they moved to a foreign place where 
maybe they didn't even have, you know, a, a written language yet, yeah. right? And so we see that and we're like, you know, wow, that's amazing. And so we can say, well, we know, we know intellectually that it doesn't necessarily equal. But here in the first century, it very literally usually meant if you're wealthy, you have the blessing of God. Mm-hmm. So it must be that you're doing yeah. it right. Yeah. Well, and that's naturally incongruous, right? Mm-hmm. Because they should know since they're, you know, captive to the Romans who are doing pretty well economically. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it should but be these are Israelites, right? So. Well, well but, but my point is like we give intellectual assent to that. Mm-hmm. They might as well. I think right it's on. interesting either way. It's sort of human because you sort of, you want to be that person. You yeah. want to be shiny and wealthy and have your life and everybody go, oh, you did, you're so good. You did well. And, and it's, it's difficult, you know, all the time when, you, especially you see a celebrity pastor and partly you really do want to communicate that well, you know, and, and everything that can come with it can be really, or I want to, you perceive that they communicate at this level that you want to communicate, that they lead at some level that you want to communicate and that people are responding to them in mm-hmm. some way that you would really love for people to respond <laughs> to you. You know, yeah. that would be fantastic. Sure. Um, and it's a definition of success that's put on the church, very similar to definition of success that's put on any business. Well, there, there's a pious way to do this, right? So you look at, you look at that guy, that real successful preacher, let's say. Let's, let's just take like a Billy Graham figure, right? That I yeah, think like pretty much ran the race and most people still have respect for. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Especially today. You, you look at a guy like that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, seriously. As in three I weeks know. ago. Yeah, yeah. As in all, over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. You see oh, that? No, I didn't. Southern Baptist Convention. I know. It's really rough. Oh, interesting. They had an independent group come out and basically say that all the different complaints that people had had for sexual clergy sexual abuse and harassment and everything else, they just buried it's real bad. I, I honestly wanted to say some of my Catholic friends have been telling me, we did this wrong, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Like literally saying this mm-hmm. is horrific. And you know, and then you see, here we go. And it's the same exact stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all this stuff that falls and all these things that come apart and all this power actually seems to be pretty easy to corrupt. I mean, it's corruptible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think this is at least a part of what Jesus is after. Well, it might be. It might be. But like, I was talking about a pious view of this thing, right? So you look at a guy like a Billy Graham who seems to yeah made it through. He did. And so it's wonderful. Um, and you go, well, look at how many people the gospel reached through him. I sure would love that. Right. I mean, that's not, that's not a terrible thought. No, it's a good thought. All. You know, but... But yeah, I mean, is there baggage that goes along with that? Yeah, is there temptation that goes along with that? Yeah. Um, Do you think that there are people that the gospel reached like 10 times more that we'll never know or we may know eternally? Like, I just wonder sometimes if, you know, the way that we even measure success comes from the ability to be able to say, look at all these people. Um, and, and really, the really huge leaps in people coming uh, to... Christ were way before Billy Graham. I mean, yeah, I, you know, you give it, you give any particular person, you know, any particular person's history. There's, um, there's a time when the the plow, the, when the field's being you know tilled, and then there's a time when the seed is implanted, the seed sure. of the gospel is implanted, and then there's a time of watering, and then there's a time of growth, and then for some folks it's a fast grow up and then a fast die off, and then mm-hmm. for other people, you know, it's a it, it's healthy and it grows, you know. Um, for any given person, you're only getting a little snapshot sure. of that whole process. That's right. You know. Um, what's cool, though, I think, is that um, God sees that whole process, and he knows who's where doing what. That's right. You know what I mean? So, like, my own accounting of the success of my gospel share is is going to be way off. Right. It's going to be way off. And so, it's, you know, again, something we know intellectually, and yet I think if you're a person who takes seriously sharing the gospel, you're going to wrestle with this all the time. Well, and you bring up a really good point, because when, when we talk about five-fold ministry, which is a popular way to say it in the charismatic world, but the, the five gifts of our offices that you know Christ has given the church, you know, which is apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Mm-hmm. Now, I often think of them as 
sort of giftings and placements and offices, but sometimes capital in a capital way or with a capital letter. Yeah. So you think of Paul as the apostle with a capital A, mm-hmm. you might say. Mm-hmm. And there are these capital E evangelists like Billy Graham. Yeah, that's true. Where when he shows up and he preaches the gospel, people turn their lives over to Jesus. And like you said, you have not seen what has gone on in the background to get him to the stadium that day. The grandmothers on their knees yeah. praying for Generations years. of, oh, oh yeah. Right, right. Oh. So there's all this stuff in the background. And the evangelists, you know, they get to see and be part of the harvest in a way that not being an evangelist yeah. with a capital E uh, I never see, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like I'm the guy, you know, I feel sometimes more like Jeremiah mm-hmm. where, you know, it's just hard telling mm-hmm. <laughs> lots had, of rocks. I, years ago I had been, I had led a, a community in San Antonio and, you know, I was given invitations all the time. I was really like going at it and was excited about sharing the gospel in a very direct way because it was a particular role that I had at the time in pastor of evangelism for a church, so that's what you're doing. And and Billy had come through town, and we had all this other kind of stuff, and we had created this new community, and things were going great, and it was growing, but I would give this invitation, and all of nobody would ever come forward, <laughs> zero people. Sometimes later, they'd be like, like, we didn't know if you were serious. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, which part? Like, like the, the accepting Jesus, or the coming forward, or the raising your hand, or with all our needs? I mean, I've been practicing for my Baptist friends have been training me. I feel like I should know some stuff, right? And so, I was doing all these kinds of things, and we had this guest worship leader coming named John Cheryl. He shows up. He leads worship. He's in like song two. He's a pretty good worship leader. I'm enjoying like the whole time. And he's like, you know what? I just kind of feel like the Spirit's leading me to kind of give an invitation today. And he gives this invitation and like 40 people go forward. I know. All of them that I knew. And I'm in the back and I'm. they're all looking at me like, isn't this amazing? And I'm like, it is amazing on my face, but on my insides and my eternal internal life. <laughs> my internal life is like, what in the world? Like, yeah. I, It was the worst moment yeah. because it was the best moment in the world and I am having a baby fit in the back. Like baby clergy fit going on right now and I feel like Jesus is both like poor guy and that's hilarious. You were trying to you were trying to open up that jar of pickles and it I wouldn't was, go and then somebody else walks by and you're like I loosened it for him. I made it totally loose. I planted the seed. I cultivated the soil. Like you know what I did? I did all the things and he came by and just pushed it over and no actually John Cheryl John Cheryl is an evangelist. Right, like he just yeah. did it, and it was he was great at it. And I should I didn't know any of those things. I thought at the time that as a clergy person, I was supposed to be all of the things. Oh right, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know? And that's just are not you, true. Are you telling me I, I I don't have to be all of the? You're things. free. Yeah. You're free to be whatever God made you to be, man, and to crush it. I have this kind of feeling you got some teaching on you. Uh, just thinking out loud. Yeah, just seriously. <laughs> Uh, we all have to do the work of an evangelist, right? Sure. Paul's uh, letter to Timothy, but but it, the reality is there are people that you know, like one of the my first mentor. I mean, we'd go to door to door. I'd get it slammed in my face or cussed out, and he would literally. We'd be baptizing pets by the end. Of the movie, you know what I'm saying? Like it didn't matter. Can we do dogs he, too? Sure, man. He, 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 I'm not sure that he ever had to even say the words sometimes, you know, just people just drop just to their knees and like give that, you, hey, what's up? just that okay, knowing yes, glance. Right. I don't even know what I was thinking about. Man. And so, you know, I remember I actually preached at a service. It was an Easter service and I gave the invitation yeah. and I had this like notion that I should draw a line on the floor. Nobody does that anymore. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I argued with God about it. Finally did it. Very Alamo of you. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> gave the invitation and then like, 10 people came forward, which for me, that's like a massive move of God, right? So I'm like, I'm like, whoa, look what Jesus did, because I know that's, like, <laughs> that's, that's not, so not my gifting. I'm like, whoa, look at that. And and other people were like, well, I've seen more people, you know, come forward. I'm like, yeah, but it was me preaching. Not- <laughs> yeah. I love those guys. It, 10 people actually get eternal life. You know, it's a beautiful oh, Easter morning. Uh, They're like, we've seen yeah, more. Better. I'm like, oh, yeah, there was a little bit. Well done. Yeah. Anyhow, success in ministry, success in life. Uh, First century notions uh, around, you know, from, you know, the the Jewish leaders at the time was if you had wealth and influence, then you were blessed by God. That was kind of the common. And and as you said, in modern Christianity, honestly, uh, there's even a prosperity gospel out there that suggests that. You're doing it wrong if you're not wealthy and successful. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm trying to think about the Old Testament um, templates for these things. You know, on the one hand, you got Abraham, right? So wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get Moses, and he sort of has a he has a wealth journey. Journey, don't we all? He's Egyptian royalty, and then he's like a shepherd in the wilderness, and then you know he's leading Israel out. But then, like, he's also kind of a he's like both. Um, the most respected man and also like an absolute pariah amongst his own people at oh, yeah. the same time, oh, all yeah. day, every day. It's like, <laughs> dude, you know, you get you get like your jobs, you know, and then you get like, uh, were any of the prophets wealthy? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Dan, <laughs> Daniel, yeah, maybe? Yeah, Daniel, at least. I don't know if they had wealth or they just lived in wealthy. I mean, you know, he like, ate meat every day if he yeah, wanted it. Uh, but of course, you know, he wasn't eating it. Actually, right. Yeah. Come to think of it, well, yeah. whatever. You know, you know. Yeah. What I'm some at some potatoes. point, kosher versions, I'm sure. Eventually, <laughs> Daniel Fest, brutal. I well, I, so so. What's funny to me because I again floating around. I'm, I'm going to get charismatic emails eventually, like people from Pentecostal world floating around that community for a long time. Like I noticed how many of these prophet guys would be like, like in a bad way financially, like. Yep. Owe people money in debt and all this stuff, and then I'm reading in Kings about a prophet who dies and he's he's basically left his family bankrupt. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, a part of what God does is redeem his family. And yeah. I, anyway, hilarious. I like I read that. I'm like laughing out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like I've seen so I've many seen of these this. guys. I know these guys. <laughs> uh, like, that makes perfect sense. No, I, I think that... Uh, what, is, what, is the, what is the healthy relationship, then, for a faithful person in money? Oh, uh, God owns 100% of it. Okay. That, so what does that that's mean? a good start. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm for just jumping straight to this thing. Um, so, stewardship's a word that gets thrown around a lot of churches, you know? And then we try to broaden this concept to talk about, you know, your time and your gifts and all that stuff. And that's like, yeah, totally valid, right on. But like, do we, have we stopped to think about what a steward really is, right? So the way it goes down in a lot of churches, you talk about stewardship, um, people will be like, well, you start with a 10% tithe, right? 10% is God's and then 90% is yours. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. 100% is God's. You need to use it the way that God intends you to use it, 100% of it, right? Um, does God want your family to starve? No. Probably not. <laughs> right? I'm going to go with no, but I know we can edge on that. <laughs> <laughs> so you should provide for your family. Does, but you know how much of your income is needed to do that, right? Does God want you to support the ministries of your church? Well, yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, does God want you to give to him? Yes, he does. And when I talk about church giving, to me, it's, you know, it's more about, and we'll we'll come to this later on the reading probably, is um, God wants you to be in a place where you depend on him, you know? And so, for some people, I think giving 10% is is beyond what they can do right now where they stand, and to give 2% would completely freak them out. So maybe giving 2% is where you need to be, right? But exactly. there's other people who can give 10% and not feel it. Right. You know? Well, then what are you giving? Yeah. Because I've read the story of the widow's might, you mm-hmm. know? Um, well, talk a little bit about that. I think that's interesting because you, you do have this as a part of the center of this teaching that Jesus is giving. And I think it's a really powerful piece. Yeah. So do you mind just kind of jumping in right where I think Jesus is sort of targeting. He he knows something here. Like you said from the very beginning, like what is it? Why does he say, why does he point him out, right? Yeah. I mean, do we want to dig into the passage proper? Yeah. Okay. So Jesus doesn't say the thing that he lacks. He asks, and Jesus, you know, you lack something. What do I lack? But well, Jesus doesn't tell him what he lacks. Jesus tells him what to do. Well, what What is he saying that he lacks? What he tells him to do is sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the text tells us he, he went away sad because he was very wealthy. So I think there's two things that he lacks based on that response, based on Jesus' instructions. And let me just say, we, we, are, we are real quick to call this a, 
descriptive but not prescriptive passage, right? Because, man, I don't want to do this, right? So what is it that the rich man who has it all, what is it that he lacks? Well, I think in the one hand, we can say that he lacks love, right? Like love for his neighbor, because the uh, the prescription, right, the medicine that he's being dealt is uh, sell everything and give it to the poor. Right. It's not just get rid of it for yourself. It's right. do something. It's not leave it. Yeah, yeah. The way that Jesus, this man's talking about the law, and the way that Jesus summarizes the law is really kind of a twofold thing, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're eating well every day, and if you have clothes to spare, but you're walking by people who are doing neither, do you love your neighbor as yourself? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can say you love them at some level, but there's certainly not a, I love him as much as I love myself. Yeah. So I think there's that. But I think the other thing is that rich man is not in a place where he feels his need for God. How do you mean? Jesus says to him, you know what's in the law. Uh, Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the man's response is, well, I've done all that. True, yeah. What am I missing? Yeah. So the man feels righteous already, but he also feels like he lacks something, right? So he's in this tension. But on a day-by-day basis, he's not hungry. On a day-by-day basis, like, what is this man praying for? It is fascinating to think about exactly what you're talking about because he's rich, so everybody thinks he's blessed, so he has power. He feels confident about every room that he goes in, and apparently both he and Jesus are down with him saying, I've pretty much covered it. I'm righteous. I've done all everything. And yet both of them know, while all of that's true, there's a gaping hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I think I shared with you all in our last podcast that we did together, I certainly talked about this with Mel in conversation elsewise, but the way that I am starting to think about faith, like a definition of faith, yeah. faith is relying on God. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, that's a functional and also fairly comprehensive definition of faith. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, what does he rely on God for? Ostensibly nothing. Yeah, because right? he has all the power, all the position. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in a place where he does not rely on God. Hmm. It's good. See, Peter Peter will say, like, well, you know, we left all that we have to follow you, <laughs> yeah. so what do we get? Right? Yeah. And Jesus is like, you, you, you... Like the other side, like, dude, we, we did that thing he was checking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, but Jesus' response same. to that isn't like, yeah, I mean, cool. Yeah. Um, but see, I think in a sense, Peter left a lot less, hmm. you know? I mean, his, his daily experience was very different than the rich young man. You know, a lot of a lot of working class people in Jesus' day, as I understand it, and I'm not a scholar of this, you know, of, of the history of it all, but I think a lot of working class people throughout all of human history, they're they're ma- basically ensuring that they've got enough to live on today. Sure, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of um, 401k investment. Yeah, there's you a, know, there's a reason why the idea of the daily wage exists, and that's because most of the world is trying to get there. And there's also a reason that we're told to pray for daily bread. Yeah, right. In fact, that's a reference to um, to a proverb when Jesus says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what Jesus is referencing and what that proverb says is uh, it's asking for daily bread, not less, so that I don't get desperate and turn to stealing, and not more. So I don't become prideful and say in my heart, I don't need God. Yeah. Which is such a powerful way to think about things like salaries. But I also wonder about the, the that core elemental reference to manna itself. You know, mm, it, mm. We could only get what they needed for that day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, and then, then there's that provision for Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? Which is to say, you know, there is a, there is a, God will provide what you need for the rest as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think that's I think if you're saying what do you lack, love at some level, um, but faith, 
certainly. I love that you talk about love. I, I was listening to a sermon years ago from a friend of mine, and he had shifted from being a pastor to being a uh, person that was really advocating for homelessness. Mm. And so he got in front, and it was a like he was pro homelessness. <laughs> yeah, he was pro homelessness. He was like, "This is what we need to do." Um, even Jesus didn't have a head, a place to lay his head. So that means we're all should be homeless. So he, I know, he said uh, he was talking about homelessness and trying to help get the church kind of motivated to take action on these things. So he was doing he did all this data work and and. All the, you know, how we treat our neighbor. And it was a very powerful message. And he'd crafted it and he meant it. And so it was a big thing. And in the beginning, he said, I'm going I'm to say that at the end of this, there are going to be two questions that you're going to have to answer for yourself. And they're the only two that keep you from doing anything about this. It's like, okay. He said, here are the two questions. He finished this beautiful thing. We learned all this terrible data about the city that we lived in. And he said, so there's two questions or two issues that keep us from doing something about homelessness. And one of them is, you don't know. Well, now right? you do. Yeah. He goes, now you do. And he goes, and the other one is, you don't care. And that was it. Mm-hmm. That was his walk off. <laughs> and I was like, wow. That, that's prophetic. It's intense. But there's yeah, a yeah. little bit of what I'm hearing you say is I'm reminded of that sermon yeah. that Jesus is sort of eyeball to eyeball with this guy that's got it all. And he's like, you don't have love for your neighbor. Right. You either don't know or you don't care. And you clearly know, big fella. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am not so naive as to think that the solution to poverty or homelessness is just throwing money at people. Sure. I, you know, because the, the, the fact of the matter is, at least in our, in our day and time and place, Many people who are homeless aren't homeless because they never had. They're homeless because they didn't do well with what they had. Yeah. F- for a variety of reasons. Yeah. The loss of community um, in the whole seems to be a big one. Yes. <laughs> there's there's a, probably been more than one study that has shown, you know, addiction is a big problem mm-hmm. that Mental leads to homeless, mm-hmm. homelessness. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, of the, one of the wisdoms coming out of studies these days is that um, the solution to addiction is more often community. That's right. Sometimes I'll talk to people about, you know, whether you should give money to to poor people or to people who are panhandling or whatever. And um, you know, there's there are simple answers, right? Like yes or no. Those are simple answers. Um I I tend to point people toward uh if you're skeptical that they're gonna use the money well. That's not an excuse to do nothing. Right. You need to figure out what you're going to do. Right? Um, so if you're afraid that they're not going to use the money well, are you going to buy a sandwich and give that to them? I mean, what are you going to do? If you're really worried about how responsibly they're going to use the money, how, how involved are you going to get in this person's life? Mm. But if you, if, you, if you have a veneer of worldly wisdom that you're trying to use as a shield from being charitable or demonstrating materially love. Um, you're, just, you're just screening yourself off from, from doing what God has called you to do. Do you, do you think there's a part of this, too, that he's asking Jesus? I mean, there's the, the ancient kind of zedakah, the good deed. You know, like, what, is there a good deed? I've done all these good, I've kept all the law and I have money. Is there something I can do? It's almost like, as a rich person, he's, he's doing that thing that people do very often, very generous people do. They're like, what can I do? Is there something I can do? Are you thinking like a move toward philanthropy? Uh-huh. I wonder if that's his... That's like the language he speaks. And, and I, this is a conversation that gets had all the time. And so he approaches Jesus and he's like, what do you need to make this thing really go? Because I I can be that guy for you. <laughs> it, it could, well, it could be, but remember. He is, but he says, what is the deed? What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. But remember, he, he's talking investment. Life. Because he says, what do I need to do to inherit to, eternal to life? Inherit like in the end, life. he's still thinking about himself. No question, because yeah. there's a there's an exchange. What do I need to do for you in order for you to say I have the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, I, I can... If I spin this guy as positively as possible, I can imagine him praying to God Almighty, like, you know, for the Savior, doing all the faithful Mm -hmm. things about Messiah. And then he hears about this guy who's doing all these miracles and clearly has his amazing teaching, right? And maybe he's heard him a little bit. And he's like, this guy can tell me. Right. 
this guy can tell me how to be a part of the actual kingdom of heaven, right? Yeah. This is this this might be the salvation. And then he comes to him and he's like, "Well, I, I I've done these things, I'm nailing this." <laughs> Jesus doesn't argue with him, right? Right. And then, like you said, he knows there's something though. Well, okay, so Jesus almost rope dopes him. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Because he doesn't list all Ten Commandments, and he doesn't also use his short two commandments, right? Right. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. That's a very specific list. What are some of the things excluded from that list? Well, number one, coveting. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That internal sin that nobody else can see, right? And uh, the other ones excluded are the ones about his relationship with God. Mm. So, in a sense especially as a wealthy man, these might be the, if you can call it that, the easiest sin, the easiest uh, commandments to obey, at least. Externally. Yeah. Right. With a simple understanding, right? He's, so if he's rich, then he is probably not tempted to steal as in the same way, right? Like he's not, he's not starving. He's not desperate. Right. And his the own way. definition. I'm not stealing. I'm not. Right. right. We're not going to get into how Jesus really defines these things, <laughs> like Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff. We're not going to get into that because he's not having that talk right now. No. Right. He is just operating with the man where he is, but he's going to expose something in the man. So there's not that desperation. Um, his responsibility to his family and his family bonds are probably pretty high, right? Maybe he has an arranged marriage or whatever. A lot of eyes on his, on his family, you know, uh, he probably has a well-structured family. So, like, uh, don't murder. He is unlikely to be living with the same level of danger as a person in lower economic status. I mean, that's just the way these things go. Yep. So, Jesus picks out these these commandments that are outward, public, and probably seemingly the ones that he... Kind of low-hanging. Has the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, he's exposing in this guy is, okay... So you, th- so you think you're righteous. Okay, it is so you dope. think you're righteous. <laughs> yeah, which the rabbis do all the time. Uh-huh. Just, oh. And then he exposes to him that internal thing. There is something that you love more than me. There is something that you love more than God. You know, I, I love that he goes, I mean, I don't love, but what you're pointing out now is so true because you can see they make the point. He goes away sad. Mm-hmm. Like this rich, blessed man that's righteous and all this stuff. It's like he knows he can't do the one thing that would turn the key. Yeah. So Jesus is saying to him, would you trade your money for eternal life? No. That's trippy. Would you actually spend it? Would you do it? That's good. That's right, though. Like, And then, okay, so he's rich. Now you get to the obvious point. Like, what would you not give, give what would you not be able to give up? Is he family? You know, what is it? Yeah. Is it position? Is it comfort? Yeah. Oof. And that ties us into a lot of the other hard sayings of the Christ, you know, where he talks about conflicts in the family and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, that uh, really there is, there's no, there is nothing okay for you to love more than Jesus. No. There's just nothing. It's an idol. Yep. Well, this is where Jesus brilliantly, like, depending on who's asking, tells them the thing that will most likely offend them the most and get at what's really in their heart. You know, let the dead bury the dead, you know. Um, but we've left our homes. Well, I mean, you're going to get all that back. You know, uh, it, just depending on what the person is asking, Jesus seems to know what they need to hear, mm-hmm. and his disciples too. I mean, when they hear some of the really hard things that he says, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're totally confused. <laughs> Do but love they're the like, reaction wow. to that. We're like, yeah. Where else are we going to go? <laughs> Right. You got the words of life. Like, what are we going to do? Which totally exposes where they're at, which is, we really don't get you. Mm-hmm. But we know. We've seen too much. Yeah. Too. Yeah. We, 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 we know we got to stay here, though, yeah. somehow. That's a good place to be with Jesus, though, right? Because, like, the moment you think you've got Jesus, you know, like, that you fully understand him, that you've got a lock on him, 
there's another layer, man. It's it's probably best to be obedient and along for the ride and just see what he shows you on the way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Just does make me, draws me into that question of what it would be personally for me. Because, you know, is it money? What is it? You know, and then, and you can get into those places and ask, and I think he reveals it to people even now. Mm-hmm. So I can have a sense of probably two or three things that I just like, I don't know. And, the, and, and those are the, those kind of reveal your idols and mm. your children and your yeah. whatever, you know. When St. Paul talks about counting everything as loss compared mm. to the surpassing joy of knowing Christ, I think that's what he's talking about. Right. He talks about throwing off all that hinders. I think that's what he's talking about. It's like not a one of the things is intrinsically bad. Right. But like Abraham walking Isaac up the mountain, like you need to be in a place where you're ready to let it go. There's very little and, more controversially and, intense than that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a brutal story. Oh, it is. And it's why I, I wrestle with, you know, Every time I read it, I wrestle with it. Uh, like, yeah. how do you talk about this? I, I mean, you can talk about to, the love yeah. of God the Father and giving up His Son, and but at the same time, you know, that was not on the heart of the day, not that part. Thank goodness for the explanation of that <laughs> in the epistles, where he well, talks about resurrection. Yeah, like, but yeah, also Abraham knew. But also, thank, yeah. thank God that he spared Abraham from having to go there. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, and it kind of makes you wonder like, well, what if, what if this man left joyfully to go give all the, that he had to the poor, what might've happened? I mean, it's, we're purely speculating, but yeah. you know, like, cause. Well, would he have obtained his own salvation? Without faith in Christ, you know what I mean? Like that's that's, that's no, it. I don't think you can do this without faith yeah. in Christ. Well, that's that, well, this is what it comes like, down to. I think, well, that, I think you have to be sad first. I think part of the point is like you have to realize like you are actually a fully broken person. There's not one of us who's actually righteous, mm-hmm. not one, mm-hmm. and you have to engage that on some level and realize like. There's stuff to give up. One of the parables that 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 comes to my mind when when reading this one is is where he's like, you've got to lose your life mm-hmm. to save it. Mm-hmm. You have to give up everything, actually. Yeah. Like, and that's everybody. And if you're trying to preserve your life, and and really, he's not talking about physically staying alive here. He's talking about preserving your way of life, preserving your comforts, and something I can relate to for sure. Yeah, because I like I'm a I'm a comfort guy. <laughs> I love me some comfort, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally took a town car to Orlando one time. I had a work truck at the time, and I like got some kind of like crazy deal on a rental. I floated to Orlando in that town car, <laughs> and I didn't look back. I went out and sold my truck and got a comfy ride. All I know is you I know, own a town car. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you think there's an element in here? Because I think that's true. Like, what is it that we try to avoid, or what are we interested in comfort, whatever? But uh, part of me is, I wonder. You know, there's that traditional rabbinical call of Lech Acharai, come follow me. The official, I want you to be a disciple, not mm-hmm. just like a person that's learning about me, trailing along in the crowd, but like an actual <laughs> disciple, not a Twitter follower, right? But an no, actual follower, not, he, he's not a invited. stalker. Yeah. Do you think he's doing that? Do you think he's actually doing the look, man? Absolutely. If you'll go do this, then I'm calling you to discipleship, the real straight-up deal. The thing that would be in that culture, the most highly valued moment would be a rabbi at his level, which is amazing that he says no to that. Even, st- even I mean, because eternal life, you get into a really interesting conversation as a Jew, pre-cross, all the things. We're not really talking about the same things. Right, right. But, you know, if... If you're if he's calling him into official discipleship like that, and he says no, that's that's amazing. Well, I think he is, and I think it's similar to. I mean, I think the comparison we can make is Matthew. You know, he goes to the tax booth, he talks to Matthew, and says, "Come, follow me." Drops it, and Matthew literally leaves it behind. James and John, different. Yeah. So here's a here's a couple weird thoughts. Number one, um, how many people have 
literally spent their whole fortune trying to prolong their life. For sure. So maybe there is a level at which he doesn't have confidence that this eternal life thing is. At least it's not really in his face, you know? So that, but here's the other thing that I, just as we're sitting here and we're talking about and I'm thinking this through, the story doesn't actually tell us what happens to the guy. No, no, just the going away part. It says he goes away sad. sad. But there's other people who go away confused or, you know, like, like we talked about Nicodemus earlier, like Nicodemus, like what, what he has this conversation with Jesus, probably the most famous section of all scripture, you know, at this point. Um, and, and he's doing it all and he's fearful and he doesn't want it. You know, he's coming at night, he has reasons, you know, um, but in the end he's there to bury Jesus. And it's like, he didn't fall away. Right. There's a process going on inside of this guy. And maybe, you know, who knows who this rich man is and who knows where he wound up. And maybe, maybe he did, you know? Yeah. Maybe he cut anchor. Yeah, man. That'd well, be great. It'd yeah. be interesting. I do have all these imaginations of kind of what happens next to people. Samaritan woman, you know, all these kind of, I kind of have this like, I want to meet them. You know, are these little passing Boy, do I have people? good news for you, buddy. Uh, I know. I'm excited. Uh, but I, I don't. I want to know, I think there's going to be different lines. Like, our family's fixing to go to Disney World, and I know there's going to be different lines for different shows. Sorry to hear that. I'm pre- yeah, thank you very much. I, uh, I, I just have the sneaking suspicion that I'm going to be in the short lines. Like, I want to talk to certain people first that maybe because I've just been climbing over in the Bible for so long, there are these, it's not the big, amazing because they're great, and I feel very familiar with them. It's these little passing people like this guy. Mm-hmm. don't even know his name. Like where is he? I want to know. Who, who, tell me what happened next, man. Or the, you know, the little girl that get raised from the dead. Where is she? I want to know what happened. What went down there? Like I want to know. And it's just fun little things like that that just blow my mind sometimes. I can't wait. You know they have special first class passes <laughs> <laughs> for Disney. Let me tell you, they do. They've got so much of that right now. And uh, oh, I am not. Yeah, I'm super grateful to be able to spend that time with my family, and I look very much forward to it. But not the money, at the very least. I, no, I'm grateful. My, my mother-in-law is taking everybody. I'm so, amazing, generous, beautiful. You, when are you going? Uh, it's like in a week and a half, something like that. In Orlando? Mm-hmm. In the dead heat of summer? <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. That's real. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the sacrifice, man. I'm very excited about it. Right after school ends. <laughs> I'm just saying. like, Right as all of the movies are coming out and all the people want to go do the things. Some people may think I'm joking, especially if you live in the UK, but it is boiling in Orlando uh, with uh, the humidity and everything, and you are sacrificing for your family as a mom and dad. If you are willing to stand in those lines unshaded for... Hours. <laughs> can you bring an umbrella? Yeah. Have like a little yes. little parasol oh, situation. I Absolutely. had this feeling you were going to say parasol. I hope so because that's me. I'm straight up parasol guy with the bumper shoot. Bumper shoot. <laughs> oh gosh, that was embarrassing. <laughs> so, any final thoughts? I mean, we haven't really covered it, you know, in a finite amount of time. And there's, there, I feel like there's even there's so much more. Jesus is worth everything. And and it is all God's. I mean ultimately. Um I think that I think that we'd have a whole lot more peace and joy if we'd embrace that truth that it all belongs to God. The reality is that we live in a country that is incredibly wealthy. And so that if you're in the lower middle class in the United States, you probably have cable TV and go to Costco and cell phones. Yeah, cell phones. Everybody's got a mobile, you know, maybe an iPad or two. Anyway, and and I'm not saying that to try to, uh, you know, broker some shame for everybody in the U.S. What I'm saying is... um, (laughs) We're blessed, and you know we we have usually 
some amazing opportunities uh, financially even. And it's not like when you align things with God that you tend to suffer financially. And I, I just mean unless he's called you something specific. So if he's calling you to a mission, yeah, you might need to literally sell everything you have and, 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 and go away. But we have to, like you just said, make sure that we remember it's all God's all the time. And he does a better job of figuring out what we actually need. I mean, half the time, I don't know what I even want. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're pretty far removed from like the necessities of the human creature. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? exactly. Yeah. And I think that there is sometimes a blessing that comes with having less. You can imagine um, two people going camping, one who has never done it before and packs anything they could conceivably need, and another person who's done it and brings only what they actually need. And of those two people, the latter is going to have a more enjoyable time and will be less burdened in the trip. Totally, man. You know, even though the former has more. Yeah. And I think life with Jesus can be like that too, where um, as he reveals to us what we actually need and how he actually provides, there's there's blessing in that. There's blessing in the not having sometimes too. Amen, man. It's beautiful, man. It's important. Mike, thanks for being here again. Hopefully you won't be fired. And if you are, (laughs) we, you know... We, we could pay we you could twice what we paid you today. <laughs> <laughs> In this economy, That's oh my great. goodness, <laughs> crushing it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And until next time, like, subscribe, <laughs> follow, leave, you know, do reviews, tell all the people. Until next time, <laughs> keep seeking his kingdom first. Thanks for joining us on. Sweet Jesus. sayings of the Christ.